You're listening to Fresh Out of Experts. A show that mines the rich archive of Reddit to supply you with advice on dating, relationships, and love. My co-host Eleanor and I are not experts. We're merely people who survived dating in our 20s and 30s. Now that we're married, we want to share what we've learned. In each episode, my co-host Andy and I tackle the most common, comical, and when we're lucky, outlandish questions from r slash dating and more. So find a comfortable chair, pull on a warm sweater, and sip your favorite beverage while you listen to us dig into the stickiest dating questions the internet has to offer. I could hear that. Yeah, I can hear you now too. Yeah, it's because it's on and it's recording. Because we're talking into microphones? Yeah. She's a little annoyed with me, folks. We are (laughs) starting on a... Ripping, roaring, good. good the good special foot. episode will be the on mic argument that we just spent fifteen minutes belaboring before we had to start over again. So, as you can tell, we are the non-experts in the room. I feel like always. I feel like most couple podcasts get like a following, and then they get like a Discord and like maybe even a Reddit page by the time they have their first on-air like tension, and then like the- <laughs> we did it. Like 47 we're two, we're two minutes. We don't, even have, we don't even have fans yet for them to discuss whether there was tension in this. And in who this was one. right and who was wrong. Yeah. Yep. The, this is an interesting thing. If we get fans, they're going to be on your side, wouldn't you assume? You know, the meta me while we were arguing was thinking the worst part of being the editor of this podcast is I have to listen to me argue with you. I may be sometimes the more empathetic of the two of us but i'm not i'm very rarely like the most rational of the two of us fair you're very convincing though well yeah i mean i'm probably more prepared in how to debate you on why i'm right but it doesn't necessarily mean i'm right do you, have you ever seen the documentary uh, we live in public i have not it's about this guy who is really forward thinking on social media about social media. Like in the nineties, he like basically created social media and all and, and in like several different ways. And he had this webcam show that he created where he filmed him and his this girlfriend. It starts to feel really familiar. I think they lived in New York. Yeah, they did. Yeah. He also created this like crazy underground warehouse that yeah. got busted. That's yeah, totally weird. Great great documentary. Well worth seeing, but it was really interesting when he did the couple, which was him and his girlfriend. Yeah. Like the online people who followed really liked the girlfriend and started hating him. And it like destroyed that. It like destroyed their relationship, (laughs) or at least in in part, other than the cameras filming them. That is incredibly pessimistic and makes me really excited to do this podcast. No, but I was just saying that, yeah. that uh, there could be a point where the, the Our fans relationship take sides. No, the fans can take sides. I think we, we are, are. We are befelled by our own dating and ad- relationship advice podcast. We're fortified against the like the the tides of Reddit. Let's just say I will not be reading anybody's commentary about me. I am self. Um, I'm the most embarrassed. Of myself as anybody. Do you think that you be. will be able to resist people? Re- I mean, obviously, again, this yeah, is. It'll di- I mean, I just, it will be so dysfunctional for me to read what people think about me that, like, there's no interest in it. That's great. Like, I am a very confident person and I absolutely have a healthy ego, but I'm not that ego driven. At the end of the day, Agreed. there are 
15 people in the world that I actually care about their opinions about my life. And I am in regular communication with them. And they are all compassionate, caring people who will tell me the truth if they think I'm making bad decisions. And so that and and they're people I so deeply respect. They're like the 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 survey panel of my life. And so I don't really need the 200,000 people beyond that. I don't need I don't think I need to know what those people think about me. So like the reason why you're not you know you don't need to read it is the reason why like theoretically it should if you did read it not affect you. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's I think that's like a pretty binary way of thinking about personality, right? Sure, like sure. I I can be I am as are all people I know really complex webs of their good and their bad qualities and they get mixed up into unique little combinations that are ourselves. The people I've gravitated to are all people who have a healthy sense of confidence and self and are also not super ego driven or interested in like pursuing like mass appeal because like the, we all I think pretty much agree that's very fleeting and it's the effectiveness in building our self-worth. Look, yeah, go on Facebook, take a stroll on Facebook and see how great the masses are. Uh, but I agree, I you agree know, with you. 100%. This is interesting. This is something that I was reading yesterday. Um, that on, on the metaverse, were you on the metaverse? I, I don't believe I was on the metaverse at that point. I think I was just in the ether and in the internet ether. And I was reading about Meghan Markle and the, did you read this Twitter research that they did on the trolling that she has experienced, right? She's like one of the most trolled people in the world. But the majority of the actual Twitter commentary is produced by like 80 accounts. So like it accounts for like Jesus a massive amount of the vocal minority content, but it is a very, very narrow band of like prolific people. Sure. It was really, it was incredibly heartening to me. Like, I don't want to think of the world as depraved and depressing and people as being unempathetic and caustic and uncaring. I don't see those people in my life. I, I agree. And that is in, that is super interesting. I always feel like, um, especially in politics, when you get anyone on the uh, headline worthy f- fringe right or fringe left like head, headline grabs, it's usually like three people on the internet that actually believe that. And they'll be like, it's a movement. How terrible is your life if you're one of those 80 people? I mean, that's the that's the thing I always... Like, how sad are you? I always think about that with regard to when you're in line at the bank and you see somebody throw a tantrum over something, whether it be waiting in line too long or, you know, some sort of bureaucratic... Overdraft fees. Yeah. That would be the reason why I'm going ballistic. (laughs) Always. Some sort of, you know, uh, some sort of um, inconvenience, right? And you get uncomfortable and you might even get irritated at them. Like, why are you being so difficult? Why are you being so rude? But like at the end of the day, you got to think if that's how they're handling this situation, can you imagine the chaos that they've like sewn into their daily lives, like how they treat the people that they love and how they how, you know, how they've never gotten promoted at their job because people can't bear them. I feel like we're out of our fight, though. That's good. We just had to focus on other we had to exercise the demons a little talk a little Internet troll. Yeah, you're not wrong.
Okay, let's let's move on to the question. Oh yeah, we have questions. Yeah. A question from user nice underscore plant underscore 7513 writes, have you ever dated somebody you'd consider financially poor? How did it turn out? Have you ever dated someone who made significantly less money than you to the extent you'd consider them poor? My boyfriend and I are from completely different cultures, and this is something I'm dealing with right now. His perspective on what is cheap and expensive concerns me and makes me wonder if we're incompatible. Given financial incompatibility is the most common reason for breakups. So let's just start with the first question raised at the top of this post. Have you ever dated someone who you consider to be poor? I've been the poor person in a relationship. And I've dated people who are, for say, in grad school and have very little money. Typically, they had some safety nets like their, their folks. And did that influence the relationship in any way? In, in small ways, but I think at least at the time, it felt like their situation was perhaps temporary. And so it was like, let's get through this and move forward. You know, we can, we can get through this and move forward. At least I, I felt that way, it, but it, it, you know, these relationships weren't five years at a time. So really hard to say how that would have worked over five years. And I, I mean, I've been the poor person in a relationship and I, 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 lo- I lost self-worth and felt insecure about it and felt, I mean, a lot of, I felt a lot of things, a lot of like, am I using this person? Would I still be in this relationship if we were on equal financial footing? This is a hard, hard questions get asked when you're in that situation. Yeah. So, um, do you feel like women received you differently during that stage of your life? No, I was young enough to where like a lot of people were not in good shape. And it was like during the recession, I think being like my age now and being really poor would be a way different story, would be much harder. And how old are you now? I'm 36 years old. I think difference in uh, your current economic situation is probably less of a hurdle than differences in the economic situations of family and growing up and the um, kind of truths and consequences of that. They do mention at some point that they are from completely different cultures. Now, obviously, that can mean a myriad of things, but let's just take it to be something that is financially associated. So like, like like they could be, they could be wealthy and their partner could be uh, of, from a blue collar culture. Yeah. Like that doesn't necessarily need, that's kind of what I mean. Right. So like I grew up, my background is I grew up in two really wealthy places in the United States. One of them being Aspen, Colorado. I did not grow up wealthy and I definitely felt like there was a cultural distance between my friends who grew up in the the you know highest echelon of North American wealth and like a person who grew up on welfare, which was me. This is a majority white area of the country. I'm white. There were a lot of similarities that as I grew up and left and lived in urban America, like I realized that the similarities were were, I mean, these were shades of gray. They were not black and white, but it definitely made me feel distant from those friends. I mean, I grew up upper middle class in a very wealthy area and I felt other because of it, just because I wasn't stupid wealthy. So it can, it can create a bridge and and be challenging. Now, with that being said, for us, it's never been, I don't, I don't think of your background and my background as things that have bonded us and made us closer. And 
helped us relate to each other. Yeah, I think about that often too. I, I actually have a little bit of a different perspective on it. I grew up poor. 100%. Like there was a, if there's a financial level, I was very often, if not always under it until I left. You were living below the poverty line. Yes. And I, when you met me, I wasn't there. If I had been that poor when you had met me, like I don't even know that we would have met. Here's what I would say. And, and having been in pretty much in both roles in these scenarios, I think you're absolutely justified in thinking about it and worrying about it and wanting to put mental effort towards it. That's 100% the right way to go about it. I think if you want to move forward in this relationship, you have to ask yourself, what quality of life do I want? And am I willing to provide that for the other person? And will I become, and then there's a whole other bunch of hard questions. Will I become resentful? We both made really good money when we started. When we met, we were both making great money. And the way I approached spending was so vastly different than the way you approached it. And it was a problem for us that we had to work through and we had to be conscious of. Yeah, I think that gets into what was another sort of buried question in this post, which was the distance between people on what is considered cheap and what is considered expensive. I think every relationship, you're going to come into that relationship with a different definition. I think it's very rare that you just of course. fall into a relationship where for different items. Right, for for a mat like a a wider range of different experiences and products and what your apartment or house looks like. Like I will just say like I have I <laughs> I grew up incredibly poor and I have the most expensive taste. You're the rich person. You're the <laughs> you're like, the 100%. I like, want the nicest things and I like actually am very influenced by price point. So I'm like, well, is that expensive enough? Is that costly enough for me to buy? Like I'm not like you, is that cheap you, enough for me to buy? You want you want to travel at a much higher um standard than I do. You like nicer cars than I do. Like you, if people didn't know our financial backgrounds, they would assume I was the one who grew up poor. I, I would think. Totally. And I think there were moments where that was a point of conflict for us. I mean, yeah. The uh, Bladell, Bladell Reservoir <laughs> yeah. or uh, Bladell Reserve. Oh, the Bladell. Yeah. So talk about that experience. It's funny because I grew, I grew up with a father who everything was sticker shock everything you couldn't do we could not do anything with him moaning and griping and being upset about the price of things and it annoyed me and somehow i also became the adult who maybe not as bad as him but still did that in a lot of ways and one time eleanor and i went over to bainbridge island uh took we live in seattle washington we, we by the way yeah we live in seattle we took the ferry over to bainbridge island in washington eleanor was like well there's this supposedly really cool place like we should maybe check it out and like walk around and so it's a it's an estate from a you know a family estate that that got turned into a nature preserve and so like a massive one yeah like I like I a thousand acres or something huge it's estate huge. gardens and a, a japanese garden and, and a japanese house, tea house tea house like all in really cool shit some old lumber baron cut down all of the wood on bainbridge and then decided oh Oops. I fucked up. Let me make this place. Like, let me make an estate that's like amazing and surrounded so in it's nature. Open to the public. It's you know, I would say it's like kind of expensive. It's it was like it's like so, it's like fifteen bucks a person to go. It there. was like seventeen dollars a person. Yeah. And I will say this: when I recommended we should do this, in my head, I was like, "This is gonna make him uncomfortable." 
Yeah. I, what I, did you do? So I threw. So when we pulled the, as soon as we pulled up, I go seventeen dollars. And it really felt to me like you were deflating the nice day we were having. I, I, and I very unconsciously, part of my sticker shock was being in the weeds with everything and not looking at things at the bigger picture. And there's certain for whatever you know for whatever reason there's certain things like I can go to restaurants and spend a lot of money and I never really have too much of a grumble about it and it's it's easy for me to do and I, whatever, I and and it takes me a second to pan out and like look at it from thirty thousand feet and that was a really another case of it and I, you know it's also hard because I didn't know that you were like already thinking about like how if I'm annoyed you know if i have sticker shock you're going to like be like what the fuck's with your sticker shock you know like yeah <laughs> i didn't know we were gonna have that conversation that day and i fell right into the to the web <laughs> and uh, i didn't plant the web i just was aware that it was possible and so it was already a t- i was tense right and that's i think the reality of the situation is that for a long period in our relationship i would get tense when i would see a price point that i yeah, like, and that's how my childhood was like. Respond to, yeah. That's what my childhood was like. It's like, oh, fuck, I have to go to get soccer shoes, and my dad's going to want me to get the worst ones that you money can buy, and he's going to be, and I'm going to be tense, and I'm going to feel shitty because I, I don't, because it makes me feel not worth the money spent if he has this sticker shock. And, yeah. and see, and here's the thing is like, I needed to hear what you had to say that day at Bladell Reserve. Right. I, I needed that conversation and it, it helped me learn about my sticker shock and why I have it and why, how, how to overcome it. You don't, you don't have to feel like a money grubbing, like gold digger just because you want to talk about finances and like what your life looks together, like together. And you also don't want to get into a place where you're resentful and you're waiting to like spring a trap on them when they go to the movie theater and they complain about $8 popcorn and you blow up on them and say like, you fucking always do this. You're cheap. You don't think I'm worth it. Whatever the case is. Like, you you already are worrying about it. You're already thinking about it. You should talk about it with the, your partner. Okay, let's hear what the Redditors have to say. User Rosa Shark writes, Yes, two of my last boyfriends made less money than me and had a lot of financial issues. Now, it wasn't the main reason for our breakup, but it put a strain on the relationship on both parts. I knew that my first boyfriend always felt down due to the toxic masculinity and com- that came from his family where men were supposed to support females. My question is, is there the potential for conflation between being poor and being irresponsible. Being in a different socioeconomic bracket is something to consider and talk about and and be really deliberate about, but it is not a deal breaker. To Whereas me, maybe a irresponsibility with money could be a the, deal breaker. The, the, the key word here is like financial issues. Like this responder is like, my boyfriend's had financial issues. Do you think that means issues about the disparity or they were just irresponsible people. I guess that's I, maybe I'm just reading into it. I'm reading it as they like they were irresponsible financially. Okay. 
But even if they, even if that's, I think that's another good point. Like if you have, like if you are a person who has a really difficult time discussing finances or hat, like can't talk about money openly, like that's also a huge red flag to me. And that is also not about being rich or poor. That is like a whole other financial hygiene issue, which is like, are you capable of talking openly and vulnerably and directly about money? To me, the thing about money being the downfall of relationships isn't always about how much or how little you have, but it's also about not being able to talk about it openly was, and creating was, a dynamic of distrust. I was going to say, I'm so curious as to how, what does this partner, I, I guess they said it was a boyfriend in the original question. What does this boyfriend think about the disparity? That's the most important part. If they're open to discuss it and work through it and acknowledge it as a, a potential challenge, but something they want to work through, I think that's much more important than the disparity existing. Okay. This user says, uh, this user, they call her Tammy, puts it fairly starkly. No, I have not dated someone that far from my socioeconomic status. It makes no sense as your lifestyles are wildly different. Would you ever advise someone to just reject a potential partner because of a difference in socioeconomic status? Socioeconomic status being different and lifestyle being wildly different are two different things. My lifestyle has never been, even though I am a high earner, I ne- I don't live a like a really crazy lifestyle. And no. me scaling back how much I spend would be super easy. I don't spend that much money. Yeah, I spend more money because you can spend money and we spend money together. But if you all of a sudden, you know, if you couldn't spend any money and you were like, hey, I need to pare back my lifestyle, I would be able to accommodate that very easily. Yeah, absolutely. You are the type of person who could make millions of dollars a year and will, I mean, you would, I think, happily invest in things that you want right now. But I do not think of you as a person who would all of a sudden be like, we got to get that boat. Yeah. (laughs) I got to get that boat. Yeah. And you know, there... The the really hard, I think the really challenging thing is what does your life look like down the road together? Do you have aspirations to own a home? You know, one thing my mom really has, my mom has told me stories about her relationship and where she knew she had made a mistake. And one of them was when some, she was going to buy a home and was like pregnant with, and my dad really wanted to buy a shitty house in a shitty neighborhood with shitty schools and didn't think twice about what the school district was. And my mom was like, fuck that. We're going to, you know, put more financial stress on ourselves so that we can live in a neighborhood that has good schools. That on itself is a difference. And it's part partially, it, it is one of the things that extends from socioeconomic differences, I think. Okay, this is my TLDR. I'm interested in your feedback. Money matters in relationships. That said, strong relationships are built by two secure, interdependent people who both take responsibility for every aspect of their lives. Having equivalent means and a shared perspective on spending may reduce conflict, but those factors can always change, as do people. Focus less on whether the person you're dating is rich or poor and more on whether they showcase the principles you want to reflect in a partner and the potential to build a secure financial future for themselves. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the TLDR of the situation. Well, I think it's interesting because I do think what you said about sort of commonalities and how you want to live your life is about your value system. So if you're getting on the same page with that partner and you're saying, hey, we value the same things, like we both look at having a family and raising our kids with the same type of goalposts, then I I actually think that's far more important than like the means that partner brings into the relationship. And I think this is also kind of a challenging part of this for the person who asked this question is I do think that your standard of life will probably meet somewhere in the middle for the, the, the boyfriend. It will mean his standard of life gets lifted. And for yours, it means it'll get lowered. I don't outright disagree with that. But if you had met me in, when I was in my mid 20s, that would have been a very different thing than you when you met me in my mid 30s. Pigeon holding people because of their socioeconomic status today is, I think, a fundamental issue that our country faces, that our our communities face. As a person who grew up poor and is no longer considered poor, I would be really sad if somebody had just fundamentally discredited me when I was 22 and carrying a shitload of debt because they were like, well, I don't have debt. I have a lot of family money and I don't want to lower myself to your socioeconomic status. I, I understand that totally. I do think there is an opportunity to build resentment, though, if you are like, oh, this will only be temporary. And then like five years down the road, you're still living a, a little bit of a lower, you know, or a, a decently lower standard of life because your partner is just not advancing in career or monetary means or has like family they have to take care of. There can be a lot of different reasons. I think people should go go in eyes wide open, yeah. you know, and not say like, oh, this will change. This will change. I'll be rich someday. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. That's a good and point. Like, Wh- you you got to realize think- that- Wishful thinking does not usually work out and being super clear with yourself about you, what you want and what you will bear in the relationship, I think is absolutely valuable. I want to see the best and the biggest potential in the people in my life. I have gone into relationships thinking the best case scenario and then to your point, been frustrated when that didn't like transpire Yeah, and was not really honest with myself that like, oh, I don't, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think I want to be doing that for the next five years. Like, that's not a place I want to be in for the next five years. And then two years in, been like, why aren't we not doing something else? And it's like, well, you knew <laughs> this is what was happening. Like, you yeah. walked into this. So yeah, I, I mean, and I, and I think if you're truly valuing the best in someone, you're taking them as they come. And not necessarily saying like, when you change, I will really like the best version of you. I'm going to love the best version of you. And I think you can get there and and you should help them get there and you should want that for them. But like, you should also be really, and you, and you tell me this, you know, you talk about this, like at the end of the day, like you still should, that person should still have in their present, uh, incantation, they should still, or incarnation should still have the values and ethics and you know, all of the different things that you're, you're attracted to, they should have that in them and you should want to foster those and grow those, but you should still like be able to recognize like, this is a person I want to be with regardless of whether they become the best, the most insane, best version of themselves. Great. Our cat just meowed. I think that's the end of this. I think we did it. We should do this again. Yes. We should do this again. 
Fresh Out of Experts is a production of Narrowest, a website exploring what makes podcasting similar to and deeply different from what came before. You can find more about the show at narrowest.news and at Narrowest on social. That's N-A-R-R-O-W-I-S-T. Our theme music is Only Knows, courtesy of Broke for Free. Additional music is What You Want Instrumental by Eric Harper. If you enjoy Fresh Out of Experts, please subscribe, rate, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does make a difference. See you next time.